Welcome to the IEEE Digital Privacy Podcast Series, an IEEE Digital Studio production. This podcast series features conversations with industry and academic leaders, as well as key stakeholders of digital privacy, in order to help advance solutions that support the privacy needs of individuals. In this episode, Stuart Lipoff, IEEE Fellow and President of IP Action Partners, shares his insights on digital privacy highlighting challenges and actions needed to advance the technology space. Stuart, thank you for taking time to contribute to the IEEE Digital Privacy Podcast Series. To get started, can you please provide a brief overview on digital privacy? Certainly. Uh, So digital privacy is all about what we call PII. That's personally identifiable information uh, that someone collects from you. And uh, there's really two ways in which that information kind of be collected. Uh, one of them is unwillingly uh, through spying, where wiretaps or listening into uh, different sessions that you may have um, on the internet or using your cable products or something like that. The other way, uh, more common that people think about, is where you willingly share this PII with a third party in exchange for some particular benefit. Uh, typically a social media company or an email service provider where um, you're giving them your PII and they are giving you something in exchange. And what digital privacy is with respect to this, it's all about uh, means to protect access to the PII and prevent the release of PII to anyone you don't want them to have that information. So it's a matter of control. Can you explain the interaction between social media and end consumers as it relates to digital privacy? Okay, so with respect to the uh, category of willingly share, uh, so we willingly share our PII with social media in exchange for a variety of benefits, uh, entertainment um, or services such as free email. This is you know Facebook and Twitter and, and uh, Google and so forth. Um, However, you have to remember that because the social media service providers are businesses, uh, they expect to use our PII for financial gain. Uh, You can kind of think of it as you're paying for these services by giving them your PII. And they use it for advertising. They sell the PII to third parties who then use it uh, to foster their business. So our sharing of a PII with social media providers has consequences uh, that consumers may not fully understand or appreciate. They, they, they know that they're willingly giving it up and they know that they're getting something in return, but they may not fully understand that it's a possible negative consequences that can occur uh, from things like ID theft, uh, redlining, digital redlining, blackballing them, pigeonholing them, uh, th- this can result in financial loss from the ID theft. Uh, the blackballing and pigeonholing uh, might result uh, in uh, them being charged higher insurance rates or being denied the ability to join a club or, or even to get certain kind of services. Uh, so uh, we, we do pay for our social media with PII, uh, but we really need to understand what it is that um, this PII will be used for. So, Stuart, what are some of the primary concerns related to digital privacy? Okay, so for the first category of PII that's collected by spying, uh, we made to make sure that the technology we use is clean. 
and uh, the digital pathways in and out of our home is securely encrypted and protected. Uh, by clean, what I mean is uh, our computers need to have the spyware installed and we need to make sure we install programs uh, from known parties that have been checked and validated. And it's today, it's not just our computers, it's our cell phones, but it's also uh, the emerging world of internet appliances, such as baby monitors, uh, home intercoms, digital doorbells, thermostats. Uh, all these pieces of technology are capable of collecting information and funneling it to third parties where we don't want it. And with respect to the uh, communications in and out of our home, if we send messages and email and we do financial transactions, we should make sure that we're using encrypted technology. We should make sure that the locks are turned on on our browser, uh, which uh, protect the information and so forth. However, uh, the category I think that, that most people are, are perhaps less understanding is this second category where we willingly share it. And there, there's really three topics uh, that are issues of concern. And I, I would lump them into trust, transparency, and control. Uh, trust is, uh, do we really trust that the organization that we're sharing the information with will actually do what they promised to protect the PII, that they're responsible companies? Transparency is the ability to really understand what they promise they're going to do to protect it, disclose it. And too often, we're so anxious to get some really nice app on our cell phone or to use a free email service that uh, we see three or four pages of, of legal fine print. And we, we quickly check the I degree box, I agree box, uh, without really fully understanding what's involved. We really need to understand what that is. And the last aspect is, is a little, probably something that's not really considered too often, but it's, it's control. And it's not just the aspect of controlling who you are authorizing the PII to be shared with, but in the event uh, you decide you no longer want it to be able to shared, you really need the ability to revoke the disclosure. And if somebody uh, posts or provides inaccurate PII to third parties, you need to have some means to have it uh, remediated. What steps can be taken to regulate the digital privacy space? Uh, so uh, with, with respect to regulation of anything, there are really two basic tools that we, we tend to use. Uh, we use one tool called prevention, uh, which tries to prevent people from violating your digital, your privacy in the first place. And then we use deterrence, uh, which are uh, after the fact uh, means we use to prevent the next guy from trying to do it. And on the prevention side, uh, the classic thing is uh, we think about is, is laws and regulation by governments. Uh, but that's generally not a really good choice in the case of a digital privacy, because we have such rapidly changing and emerging technologies that whatever laws we come up with usually lag uh, what the technology is and don't actually address the current issue at the time. And worse than just lagging the technology and not being effective, uh, they generally inhibit innovation because they come up with uh, laws and regulations say you can't do this. And what you might want to do uh, is, is some new idea that's a great idea that everybody wants, but the law is, is kind of falling behind. So really on the prevention side, uh, historically, the best means are self-regulation, uh, where the industry as a whole, rather than any one company, uh, gets together and develops codes of good practice 
uh, and they uh, they widely promulgate that, and they achieve widespread buy-in by the key players. So uh, this is uh, currently done, for example, in the advertising industry, where um, you know there are codes of good practice uh, that are published, and the companies that adhere to them subscribe to them, and people depend on upon the fact that uh, they have the advertising seal of approval, the good housekeeping seal of approval, whatever else it is. Uh, takes it out of the realm of government, puts it back in private industry. Uh, the deterrent tool is kind of uh, more obvious um, in that if there is a law, uh, you need vigorous and, and highly public prosecution of the lawbreakers. Um, it's a kind of interesting. We, we do that today with respect to the Secret Service and our currency. There's very little loss associated with uh, people doing counterfeit currency, and we spend a lot more on the Secret Service than we actually lose because we, we enforce it so vigorously, that's why there's very little counterfeiting. But uh, when you don't have the laws in place, uh, the more effective way is perhaps the public disclosure and outing of the bad actors and bad practices. Uh, so here the press has a real role of saying, this company is doing something you really don't understand and is not a good idea and is not in accordance with the industry code. And uh, by publicizing that, uh, we can steer people away from those bad actors. So, Stuart, can you speak to some of the main challenges for ensuring digital privacy? So, where we have rapidly developing and emerging new technologies and services, uh, the real challenge is really kind of understanding uh, what are the potential threats, and not just from the services we have today, uh, which is bad enough, but also uh, from the new services which don't even exist. And so what, what can go wrong? Uh, and in understanding what the potential threats are, uh, we can then start to develop or think about some of the countermeasures. So whether it's to prevent you from being spied upon, it might be uh, developing uh, encrypted uh, means of sending emails uh, in, in ways uh, that relate to PII, it might be mechanisms that require every time your personal information is disclosed, who's ever disclosing it notifies you uh, and gives you the opportunity uh, to look at what was disclosed and to either agree that it's accurate or, or not. But in such a young and developing field, it's very difficult to deal not just with the current challenges, but even much more so uh, because of the rapid change in development where the challenges that uh, we need to deal with, we don't even know about yet. So how is IEEE working to make positive steps in improving digital privacy? The IEEE does have, uh, at the institute-wide level, which means it cuts across all the different technology sections, uh, computer, communications, information technology, consumer electronics. It's, it's a group called the Digital Privacy Initiative that started fairly recently, and it's in the process now of kind of studying what the issues are and will probably lead uh, to taking its findings and distributing them back down into the individual group. So uh, what it learns, it's relevant to computer, will go to computer, what it learns relative to consumer electronics. But at the moment, it, it's fostering a, a variety of discussions across uh, all the different parts of IEEE to try and get a better handle and understand what's going on. And I would say uh, the Institute uh, in recognition of what its, its basic mission is, which is to foster technology innovation and excellence for the benefit of humanity, 
it's really pursuing uh, four of its, its major activities, which it has always done, but focusing them on digital privacy. Uh, the first one is research, uh, which is working uh, with the academic community and with the labs of large companies uh, to gather publications, which you can put into the magazines and transactions uh, and uh, share that research among the group. It's involved in education, uh, where it holds workshops and publishes tutorials uh, and uh, tries to educate uh, the industry. And in some cases, by releasing it to the press, the general public, what some of the issues are. Uh, it has a large standards development activity. Uh, on the standards development side, uh, we develop the standards and they range from uh, secure communications channels, prevent somebody from tapping into your Wi-Fi, uh, but also uh, good practices and underlying technologies like blockchain. And then we also have a, an advocacy uh, activity where uh, we actually, this is the first of the, these four, where we operate outside of the IEEE. We typically engage with government and non-government organizations, consumer protection groups, and other stakeholders uh, where we try and develop a shared understanding of the needs and we communicate to them uh, what the limits and capabilities of the technology are, and they communicate to us what some of the policy and requirement needs are. We do this through white papers. We do that through inviting uh, government and NGO stakeholders to speak at our conferences, and we speak at their conferences. Stu, thanks again for taking time with us today. Do you have any final thoughts you'd like to share with our listenership? So uh, with, with respect to the current situation, I think we, we currently understand uh, the digital privacy as it relates to social media, digital privacy as it relates to people perhaps putting viruses in our computer and this sort of thing. One of the things that's rapidly coming down the road that we have really not yet having to deal with is a category of called Internet of Things. It's usually uh, referred to as IoT. And IoT is where you, you put uh, computing devices, microprocessors, little computers into appliances, and you also have to communicate with the internet. So the things that we're putting these microprocessors in are not uh, what we normally think of as computers. They're refrigerators, washing machines, baby monitors, digital doorbells, smart thermostats, um, devices that control our energy use and monitoring. Uh, all these uh, devices are collecting a great deal of information about us. Um, generally, uh, it's being sent to where we want it this, to go to control our thermostat and this sort of thing. But to the extent uh, there's such a large number of new companies who are making this uh, very often in countries where regulations are, are not well promulgated, uh, we've already run into situations where thermostats and baby monitors have had on the part of the manufacturer, uh, malware or, or bad software that's been inserted deliberately for the purpose of spying on us. And um, this is uh, going to be an issue going forward because today where we only have a small number of companies who are making uh, communications devices, computers, and cell phones, uh, and they're large companies, we can regulate them. When we run into a situation where there's maybe tens of thousands of companies making little devices uh, that are sold to us uh, on the internet or, or in the uh, big box stores. Uh, and we don't really know much about these companies or what's in the, these devices. Uh, we have a whole new set of risks associated with being spied upon. 
Thank you for listening to our interview with Stuart Lipoff. To learn more about the IEEE Digital Privacy Initiative, please visit our web portal at digitalprivacy.ieee.org.